I'm happy to be here this afternoon with you and to share a message that's not anything, I don't think, new to us, but it's something that the Lord has continued to bring back to my heart about the real need of my individual experience with Him as a Savior. And I've titled the message, The Inner Person, because I've come to understand in my experience that God doesn't just want to change us on the outside, He wants to cleanse us on the inside. And when I thought of the theme song that we've been singing at this camp meeting, Lord Bless Our Home, in the first verse it has these words, Families all around us are crumbling every day. Why? Because they're yielding to the enemy, aren't they? That's what the song says. And they're throwing their lives away. And that's happening within our own homes today, friends, even in professed Christian homes. Our families are crumbling because we haven't understood how God can come in and change the inner heart that each of us have. I'd like us to consider the verse in Genesis, the sixth chapter, and verse five. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Here God is telling us the condition of the people's hearts early early in, in our world's existence, right? Just prior to the flood. And we're told that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. That's the condition of our hearts. Written right here in Genesis. That our hearts, the imaginations of our hearts are only evil continually or every day. Now, somehow we don't see how that applies to us. But the Lord is helping me to see that what that is really saying, if my thoughts are not directed to God, by God, and I'm not making a conscious, being consciously aware of keeping my mind and my thoughts and my, my desires and my direction on Christ, where will my thoughts naturally turn? To me, to myself. It's me first, I'm right, my way. I think of what I want to eat, where I want to go, who I want to be with, what I want to do, and all my thoughts center on myself. And Christ, in his, his life here on earth, was, was trying to, he lived in such a way to show us that our thoughts need to be directed to him at all times. And the only way that can happen is if there's a change on the inside, in our hearts. In the Old Testament, it's called, uh, David uses the the term, cleanse me, O God, and and to cleanse my heart, or search me, O God. A heart renewed, as Ezekiel says in the New Testament, it's often referred to as the inner man, the inner person, the inner heart. God wants to work from the inside out, not just change us on the outside. Let me share with you an experience that we have, and I don't think it's uncommon to any married couple here. I remember one Sabbath, my husband and I were on our way to church. And as we were driving to church, I don't even remember what came up in the conversation, but all I remember is that he and I got into a debate, an argument, you know what I'm saying? And I can't remember the issue, but I can remember very clearly arguing back and forth. We weren't screaming and yelling, but you don't have to scream and yell to argue. I was focused on myself. 
He was focused on his opinions and his self. And we were driving to church and we had two children in the back with us. That's before Josiah was born. And when we got to church, what kind of people were we? Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so happy to be here. And we entered the church with these big smiles on our faces. And I know that that all too often is our experience. It's a, it's a false um, representation of our true condition. And we have learned in our humanity how to cover over the unacceptable uh, aspects of self that we don't want other people to know about us. But they show very clearly in our home. And who do they show the most to? The two children are sitting in the back seat. They just heard mother and daddy arguing on the way to church. And when they get to church, mother and daddy are like two different people. And then we wonder why our children don't want or don't understand how to exercise their will to have victory or even want our religion. We cannot manufacture true peace and true happiness. If it's not from within... We cannot manufacture it, friends. It has to be within our hearts. Otherwise, it will not be genuine. And do you know the people who probably met us with our smiles on our faces, what they didn't see was the true glow that comes from a heart that's at peace with God and at peace with one another. There's an ore about an individual. That was the ore that Christ had about him, that, that even when he entered into the temple and drove out the money changers and the people who were not following his will there, those people who, were, who remain sensed in his countenance peace and love, didn't they? The inner person, that's what God wants to work on us. Unfortunately, we only view our our thoughts are primarily on ourselves. And if we choose not to think about myself, where do our thoughts generally go next of all? To anybody and any other situation and how it affects myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? How somebody responded to me on the telephone call or how they treated me, or how I was mistreated. My thoughts often, I'm not connected with Christ, will go to other people. And of course, the devil's good to be bringing in thoughts of how uh, those people have offended us, that they haven't seen something my way, they haven't done something my way, or they haven't said something the way I would say it. And so that's where our thoughts naturally go. And we're told... In mind, character, and personality, page 660, this simple formula, our thoughts will make our feelings, and I'm not quoting directly, I'm paraphrasing, but I'd like you to read that section on the importance of our thoughts. Our thoughts generate our feelings and emotions, and our thoughts plus our feelings and emotions bring about our what? Our character. So that's why through Scripture we have verses like this, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Because if our thoughts are not right, our feelings and emotions will not be right. And what's going to be the result of our character? It's going to be lacking, isn't it? It's not going to be Christ-like. We may look good on the outside to most people, but God seeth 
sees on the inside of our hearts, doesn't he? And we're not at peace when we're not yielding ourselves to God in all things. Our thoughts and our feelings bring about our character. Ephesians, the third chapter in the 16th and 17th verses, says it this way. God wants to strengthen us with might by His Spirit in the inner man that He may dwell in our hearts by faith. That's what God wants for us. And too easily our thoughts are out there about ourselves or other people and not being brought into thinking of, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to say? In all circumstances. That's why we haven't learned how to discipline our minds. We can call it thought reform. And the reason this is such a, a important message in my life is I have seen in too many situations in my experience that my thoughts have led me to a, to, in a direction that disconnect me from Christ. And it's in the littlest things that it happens, like driving to church and whatever it is that comes up in the conversation immediately, self, the thoughts of self and me and my way and my opinions are there. I'd like to share with you another experience that we've had in our home. My husband recently wrote a little thank you letter to a family who was kind enough to do some help for us, with us. Thank you, dear. Thank you. He's helping me to keep my sweater on, for those of you who can't see what he's doing. He wrote a thank you note to some friends of ours, and, and he brought it to me. And he said, honey, would you like to read this and sign it? And then have all the children put their names on it, too. And sign the card, and we'll put it in the mail. And I said, sure, that'll be fine. And I took the thank you card from him, and I had several papers in my hands and I was in one of those uh, one of those times in the day where I had two or three things in my thoughts at once and I was thinking about what I needed to do and how I needed to get it done and all of those things and I picked up that card and I went to do something else and I got totally sidetracked from what he asked me to do and an hour or so went by and he said did you get that card signed I'm ready to go to the mail and I says oh no I didn't do it let me get it and I couldn't find the card. Now, if we are not willing to have the inner man, our, our hearts and our thoughts under the control of Christ, what would happen in that situation? I heard a lot of oh no's because you understand it's in the little things where self finds expression, isn't it? And both of us, praise the Lord, made the choice to let self be controlled by Christ. Immediately, I didn't go into, um, now are you sure you gave that to me and start making all excuses? I said, honey, I don't know what I did with the card, but I will look for it. And I set everything else aside, and I looked everywhere I could think that I had been in anything that I had done, and I could not find the card. Now, I had done, I had allowed Christ to not allow me to make excuses or to try to cast blame or, you know, maybe you really didn't give it to me or whatever our minds begin to think of it or those thoughts prompted by the, our adversary. But my husband had a choice to make too, didn't he? Because I'm coming back to him and he's ready to go to the mail and I don't have the card. And he could have been tempted, and I'm sure he was, to say, 
Oh, well, you know, that just wasted 20 minutes of my day. But he didn't. He said, that's all right. I said, honey, I'll get you another card, and if you'd like, I'll write it. Or he says, no, that's okay, I'll do it. And a little situation that could have turned out to be a disaster, and a, and a, a disaster from the perspective of letting our natural thoughts rule us, our natural inclinations, to flare those thoughts, to flare those emotions, was turned into moments of peace and happiness and contentment, even in the little trial of the day. That's what God wants to do for us. We're told in Mind, Character, and Personality, page 347 and 48, this. God leads His people on step by step. Means one thing at a time, right through the day, step by step through the day. He brings them into positions which are calculated to reveal the motives of the heart. You mean like getting a thank you card and signing it or not signing it? That is a situation that is calculated to reveal my true heart condition? Yes, it is. And my husband's also. Some endure at one point but fall off at the next. Have you ever experienced that? You, you take hold of Christ and you, you give your thoughts to Him and He subdues those natural emotions, those waves of emotions that want to roll out and begin to justify ourselves. He can subdue that and we can get through the first step, but what about the next step? In other words, in this, in this example I shared with you, what happens if when I would have come back to my husband and I didn't have the card, I began then to let my natural humanity, my fleshly nature take over. In all things, Christ wants to give us victory. At every advanced step, the heart is tested. Those little tests, because we have taken hold of Christ in the beginning, we need to continue to take hold of Him throughout the little test. If any find their hearts opposed to the straight work of God, it should convince them that they have a work to do in overcoming, or they will finally be rejected by the Lord. Those are pretty solemn words, aren't they? And God is helping me to see that being a woman with lots of feelings and emotions, that I cannot let those feelings and emotions rule me. Now, are, do only women have feelings and emotions? No. Generally, we think of women as having sensitive feelings and emotions and emotional needs, but men have them and children have them and all of us have them because God created us with feelings and emotions. But He created those feelings and emotions to be controlled by our thoughts. Our thoughts are what make our feelings and emotions. So if I'm thinking wrong, what will my, thought, what will my feelings and emotions be? They'll be wrong, won't they? And how will I respond as a mother in the home, as a wife or as an individual? My character will respond according to my thoughts and my feelings. God wants to give us, help us to understand the importance of our thoughts. Because herein our thoughts lies the power of choice to choose to let God have His way in our thoughts so that we can have right thoughts and He will give us those thoughts. Even if they're unnatural to our personality, He will give us His thoughts. 
He will place them in our minds and our feelings and emotions will correspond. The example of the thank you letter. Our feelings and emotions corresponded to our thoughts. And there was peace in the home. It wasn't a crisis over a letter. Now, it did take extra time, and I didn't follow through the way I should have. But God gave us the victory to my husband and myself in our interpersonal marriage relationship by both of us allowing our thoughts to be brought into captivity, as Paul says, to be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I'd like us to consider that text in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations. Do you know what that word imaginations there means? Our reasonings. To cast down our reasonings. We all have that, don't we? And every high thing that exalted itself against, excuse me, that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And that's when we think about ourselves, aren't we? Like, like Lucifer in heaven, exalting self above God's ways when it's our opinions and our ways. And to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The inner person. We are a people that have many emotions. And God wants us to understand that our thoughts is what brings our emotions and feelings that, that develop those and, and then those two things together make our character. So in working with us on the inside, He wants us to learn how to deal. If we're struggling with anger or irritability, or depression, or any kind of emotion that is unchristlike, God wants us to see how to begin to work to conquer those emotions. And that begins in our thoughts. We have known an individual for several years. And this particular individual has a fairly cordial relationship with our family, I would say. And one day, this individual came and visited us, and when he came to our home, he was extremely angry. He was so angry that he couldn't hardly speak. And my husband and I knew that there was something that was definitely wrong because we had never seen this individual like that before, and we made an appointment to get together with this individual so that we could talk about what the situation was. And so we made the appointment, and as this individual shared all of the things that were in his thoughts, that were in their thoughts, well, we could be sympathetic to understand why they thought the way they did. And so we just simply tried to explain to them that what the real situation was what our real motives were and what truly happened. And when we got all done, do you know how it was resolved? The individual would not let their feelings and emotions go. For weeks they had nurtured their own idea and opinion of the situation with our family. And it had gone on so long that the individual was so angry and irritated and irate that when we went to discuss it, they almost had to bodily restrain themselves because of the anger in the heart and the red face 
and the loud voice and the fire in the eyes. And their feelings and emotions had so long been been directed by the thoughts that they had it had become the individual's character. And it, our hearts were broken and we tried to to work to try to discuss it to try to work through the misunderstanding and they would not because they were sure that our motives were evil. That's happening in our many homes today between husband and wives, friends. Many homes today are are going through this exact same situation where one in the family has these thoughts and they regurgitate them and rehearse them so much that their emotions and feelings get so involved that when it's finally exposed to the other person in the home, the wife or the husband, they can't communicate. They can't communicate. And the one who has not had those feelings thoughts and emotions there, when they try to explain their position or to make clarification and maybe even take on responsibility. Often the other individual is so irate and has been so convinced that their thoughts are right that they will not let them go. And that's how marriages break down, friends. We're told in Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinketh in his heart, we would say it today, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts need to be brought under the control of Christ in all situations. Now, in, this, in the experience I just shared with you with the individual who was very angry with us, we couldn't, we couldn't communicate about it. We couldn't resolve it. It went unresolved. Now what is our temptation in it? What's our temptation? What's your temptation in husband and wife relationships if it's not resolved? To take up the same position, right? Immediately, self is wounded. And self wants to take up those those same feelings back. To be irritated that they're so narrow-minded, so stubborn, so unrealistic. And the Lord is calling to our hearts, if we find ourselves in those positions as husbands and wives, to not retaliate. The Bible talks about heaping coals of fire, doesn't it? Heaping coals of fire on their head. That means to to do everything we can to try to love and to, to serve that individual and to not allow their feelings to become our feelings and their thoughts, our thoughts. Irritability, irritation, anger, frustration. We see it between parents and children. And we all are having to address those areas in our lives. No matter how amiable of a person you are, we all have sensitive levels in all of the emotion areas. And for some people, it may be something very slight that sets them into a tyrant rage. Other people, they may take more. But we all have the same feelings and emotions that must be brought under control. And if they're not, those feelings of irritation and frustration and anger, they lead to the next area of our emotions. 
You know what that next area is? Bitterness. Resentment. I remember a situation that I had when I was in high school, my senior year in high school in the academy. And the boarding school where I attended, each year they had two banquets. That's like a big special dinner where all the students would get together and we would dress up special like in nice Sabbath clothes and we would have a nice dinner together and maybe they would have some, they'd have some type of activity for us. And these were two, two special times every year that the, that the school had. And at the first banquet of the year, they wouldn't pick one boy from the school and one girl from the school to be a courtesy king and queen. Now, I'm not saying I agree with what they did, but what I'm, I want to use this for an illustration. And at the first banquet, this was my senior year, at the first banquet I was just enjoying my time there, and after the banquet was over, one of the faculty members came up to me and, and they said to me, did you feel bad because you weren't chosen to be courtesy queen of the school? And I said, no, I never gave it a thought. Oh, okay. Well, we want you to know that in our faculty meeting, we chose, your name came up as a suggestion to be the courtesy queen. And some of the other faculty members decided that they would rather wait till the, the bigger banquet of the year and honor you as the queen of the school. I felt pretty good about that. And that position represented someone who had good grades, someone who was dedicated and loyal to the school, who would raise money for all their school projects, who was good in attendance, who got along with all the students well, and the list went on. And I always enjoyed school, and I applied myself in school, and I did get good grades, and I liked school. I liked it. And so... I thought, this is really going to be special. So for the next several months, what was my thoughts? Come, what was coming back in my thoughts? On this date here in February, March, whenever the banquet was, I'm going to get to be the queen of the school. And that made me feel pretty good. And do you know, I was pre- that day of the banquet, and I was all in preparation, those thoughts were very, very real in my mind. Tonight, I will be the queen of the school. Really, those things lead to pride, don't they? And self. But I didn't understand that then. So, we, so I go to the banquet, and I'm sitting there, and now it's time. They're going to make the announcement. And I was right on the edge of my chair, just ready to stand up and go up front, and they announced it, and it wasn't my name. And immediately my mind went into mass confusion. I was 17 years old, and my mind just went in mass confusion. And I didn't know what to do. I thought I misunderstood. And I asked the person I was sitting next to, who did they say? And the person's name, the girl they called out, didn't have good grades, wasn't good in her attendance, and certainly uh, didn't have the rapport with all the other students that I felt that I had. And I was crushed. And the very next grouping of thoughts that came to my mind were anger. Resentment. I was mistreated. 
And when the banquet was over, I went right to that faculty member. Now, if they would have never told me, I would have had no expectations. And the other person could have been chosen. I might have thought, well, I wonder why they chose them. But I wouldn't have thought they had to choose me. And I said, what? What's going on? And that faculty member said, well, you know, everybody here kind of thinks you're the special faculty favorite. You work for the principal, and you have good grades, and you're the senior class president, and you have this office, and you do that, and everybody thinks you get everything in school. So I felt like we needed to give somebody else an opportunity. And I said, well, what about your criteria? And what about the fact that everybody in the faculty meeting voted? Well, I'm sorry, but I knew you would understand. You're such a good Christian. Ooh, that really burned in my heart. And do you know I didn't know how to deal with it? Sad but true. And I began to harbor in my thoughts, thoughts of bitterness because I was first wounded, I was angry, and now it led into bitterness. But I never continued to think about those thoughts for the next 10 years. I never thought about them again. I mean, through the school year, when I'd see that individual, I didn't have very good thoughts of that faculty member. But as the school school year went on, you know, my personality, I just let it go, let it go. But I never resolved the feelings. And from time to time, after I graduated, we'd look through the annual with some classmates or, you know, somebody, and I'd I'd see their picture, and those same emotions would be there all over again. All over again. And more years went by. And I wasn't thinking about this individual at all. And I was had met with another faculty member from my academy days. Had come to visit in our home. And I was now married with children. And the name of this other faculty member came up. And do you know what happened to me? Those same feelings of bitterness were all there all over again. And at that point, I was just learning what God had for me and how to control or how to to identify the roots of self and to deal honestly with it. Because for years, I never even thought of this faculty member. I wasn't for years every day thinking, well, I wish they would have never done that. I mean, I thought I had put it away because I just didn't think about it. But it wasn't resolved in the inner heart. Those feelings of bitterness and resentment remained. And when that name came up, and I became very aware of those feelings and emotions and how they affected me, the Lord called to my heart, and I knew these were not right to have. And I said, Lord, in my thoughts... Bringing every thought and imagination of our hearts to uh, into the captivity of Christ and to surrendering all our thoughts, I said, "Lord, I don't want to have those anymore. They have been there for ten, eleven, or twelve years. I don't want them anymore." And do you know the Lord gave me total victory? I've been able to hear that individual's name, and there's nothing left. There's nothing left there. In fact, in my heart, there's a heart of love and of understanding and compassion for that individual and what they felt as a result of the guilt that they may have had for doing something that they knew wasn't really right to do. 
Had they knew ahead of time, it would have been better to come to me and say, look, Lane, I really think that we should let somebody else have an opportunity because everybody in the school is going to think you get everything. And to talk about it with me. But that didn't happen that way. And the Lord gave me the victory. Now I can talk to that person. I can affiliate or associate with that person. And there's no feelings, no resentment, no bitterness. There's a heart of love. But friends, there are many of us today in our homes that are building those walls of resentment and bitterness. We as wives begin to think certain thoughts about our husbands that may not be right or that may be right in the circumstance, but the devil comes in to feed a little on the sideline and we rehearse them and we rehearse them and we rehearse them to the point of what? Bitterness, agitation, impatience, irritability. And the same happens from husbands to wives. And the same thing happens from children to their parents. And when our children struggle with a hard heart and they want to cast blame on mother or father for the correction or the request or whatever it is, we help them to identify immediately that those thoughts will destroy them. Because they, if, they are, if they are allowed to take hold, they will become their feelings and emotions that will be their character. And a lie often told becomes believed, doesn't it? I know of, of some women who are holding such strong, bitter feelings to their husbands. And when you listen to them tell why, my heart goes out to them in sympathy. And I, and I want to say... I understand and you're right, but I cannot say you're right because Christ has given us the opportunity to overcome all of our flesh, all of our wrong feelings, all of our thoughts if we will yield it to Him. And no one will go to heaven and see Christ who has bitterness just eating away inside of them regardless if it's justified or not. Christ shows us that in His example when He lived. If anybody had a good reason to be um, irritated, bitter, it would have been Christ. He was always misunderstood, always mistreated, and, and suffered consequences that were unjust. But his heart was full of love for those who put him on the cross. And those people were you and I. They weren't the soldiers who nailed the, cro- the spikes into his hands. Our thoughts lead to our feelings and emotions that make up our character. And how do we respond? There are times in the past in our marriage where I've allowed my thoughts about my husband, something maybe he didn't say right or do right or didn't meet my expectations in my thinking and by my emotions. And I take hold of those thoughts And I rehearse them and replay them and listen all over again in my mind. And do you know he could come home from work not knowing anything was wrong and he could walk in the door as happy as if everything was peaceful and I could meet him there at the door with a sarcastic remark. I could meet him at the door with a frown of indifference or I could just totally be hidden in the house, not meet him at all and just be so cold to him. 
Have you ever experienced anything like that? Those are how we respond to those emotions that are there. And God wants our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts to be recreated from the inside. And you know when we take hold of those thoughts, where do they lead next? Irritation and frustration and anger. They go into bitterness and resentment. Now where do they go? What kind of thoughts come into your minds? How about... What's that? Retaliation is one. But doubting. And I've heard a number of married couples, women and husbands, wives and husbands say, you know, well, maybe we should have never been married. Where do those thoughts lead? They lead to divorce, friends. They lead to divorce. Because the thoughts are so so much focused on self and they have gone through a situation and through time in, in massaging them and taking up those feelings. Now they begin to doubt, well, you know, when we were married, we weren't Christians. Or maybe we didn't have the proper relationship before marriage. Or maybe, you know, we just were unequally yoked. We should have never got married. Or, or I knew, you know, I was raised an Adventist and, and I knew I should have married an Adventist, but my husband wasn't. So, you know, maybe we're just not to be married. But the Bible teaches us otherwise. The experience of David shows it clearly. David already was a married man, wasn't he? And he took after the customs of the people and the kingdoms in his day. And he made a decision to take somebody else's wife to be his wife. Did God say, David, get rid of her? No. God says, You're, now you are married. And now you must treat that individual the way I want you to treat her. So in our homes. I don't know of anybody who really came together in a marriage relationship that entered with an understanding that we have present day. So we can't begin to let these doubts come in and take us, take our thoughts away from that. And we know of people who have separated and divorced for religious reasons like unequally yoked, thinking that God sanctioned that. And what happens is in the, in the individual families that we know of where they, they separate and they divorce for religious principles, that unfortunately, at least the people I'm aware of, they all turn away from God. The very thing that they say they're separating for so that I can have a better relationship to Christ is, the very th- is, is not what really happens. What really happens is, is that they become weaker and lonely and they stumble and they go further away from God. God wants us to learn how to deal with ourselves in our present relationships. He wants to work on our inner hearts to change us from within and to teach us how to love the unlovable and to help us to see that He can work in us and through us for the salvation of our unbelieving spouse and for our children. We will become what we think. Isn't that what we've been talking about? Our thoughts make our feelings and our thoughts and feelings and emotions combined make our character. We are 
what we behold and what we think. And if we're beholding wrong thoughts in our mind, we will become just what we think about. Mind, character, and personality, page 331. It is a law both of the intellectual and the spiritual nature that by beholding we become changed. The mind gradually adapts itself to the subject upon which it is allowed to dwell. It becomes assimilated to that which it is accustomed to love and reverence. Now, I have experienced many of these feelings. And I've had doubts that the devil's put in my mind. But the Lord's helped me to expel them. But oftentimes, the devil comes back and he begins to work at us from a different angle. Maybe it's not from doubt, but maybe it's discouragement and depression. Have you ever experienced feelings like that? And we're told that the only way we can get those feelings is if we have wrong thoughts. But they can become so real that we can become non-functioning people in our homes, Christians, husbands and wives and parents, because we are so self-focused. And we will become what we behold. So if in our minds, you know, we are having difficulties in our marriage, and we begin to think, well, you know, maybe I'm just not a very good mother. I, I have been plagued with that many times. Maybe I'm just not really the wife, a very good wife. And those thoughts rehearsed in my mind, you know where that leads me? I will become exactly what I think. And I won't be a very good mother. I will be sour. I will be op- oppressive in my spirit. I will be hard, uh, ir- irritable with my husband and my children. And the Lord wants to give us victory from those feelings. None of us are the mothers or fathers or children or individuals that we can be in Christ. That's nothing new to us. We should see our need and that should help us to go to Christ so that He can make us who He wants us to become from the inside out. And there are physical causes for depression. And I know that in my physical constitution, I need exercise fresh air, and a lot of water to keep my mind open and clear so that I'm not as, as susceptible to those wrong thoughts. But it doesn't mean that I won't have those wrong thoughts at times because we have to address more than the physical causes. More than 10 years ago, I was in an automobile accident and I had fairly severe whiplash injury. And as a result of that, The two arteries, there's four arteries that feed the brain with blood, and two of those arteries have calcified over, which means they get hard substances on them like bone, so that when you take an x-ray of your neck, it looks like instead of you shouldn't see the arteries, there there should be nothing there, you see like I've got extra bones in the back of my neck, those vertebral arteries. And they don't know, because I've never had the, the full test done, how much constriction that accident has caused to those arteries. But it's not uncommon for me to have headaches or to, you know, experience things like that from lack of oxygen to the brain. And I didn't know that for years. And the Lord gave us the opportunity to, to see what was happening, but I went through a period in my life where I was really struggling with depression. 
And I tried walks, and I tried all these other things, and I could not gain the victory. And then, as much as I didn't want to, because of how I was feeling, not because I didn't know that it was right, but because I just didn't feel like it, the Lord really put it in my heart that I need to study why my feelings are the way they are. So I went to His Word, and do you know, I didn't like what I read. Because it let no, it left no room for, for me to pamper myself and my feelings. It left no room. It talked about my anger or bitterness or my depression or whatever feelings I was feeling for the moment. It talked about them and addressed them and it, told, it showed me, and I'm thankful that for this, it, it gave me no excuse for my sins. But it gave me the hope that Christ could overcome in me, despite my physical limitations. And I praise God for that. And I realized that if I didn't make a conscious choice beyond the physical changes of being more aware of needing to get exercise, of more awareness of that I need fresh air and that I need to get good water and keep my blood flowing well and to deep breathe and all these other physical things, beyond that, I had to make a choice that would go so hard against the grain of how I was feeling. But God gave me the victory. And I decided that I was going to make that choice. Not because I felt like it, but because I knew it was right. And I asked God to give me His strength to conquer those feelings and emotions in myself. And He did. But it wasn't a one-time decision. The next morning I didn't feel any better than I had the day before. But the Lord brought it to my mind. You must make a decision and get up. And not only get up, but you must make a decision to keep your mind properly occupied and your hands busy and do what you should be doing. And then you won't have to experience the guilt that's there. And not to allow myself to to be pampered in my feelings. And he did. And now when those feelings and those emotions or even the physical that come in, not necessarily the feelings or the emotions, but when the headaches get very intensive, I know exactly that I am right in a position and very prone to self-ruling and that I must be sensitive to God leading and make those choices to be contented and to be cheerful in spite of the thorn in my flesh. And the Lord has given me the victory. He's given me the ability to go day after day after day after day after day and be happy in the home, be loving in my marriage, and to work on the inside of my heart to make me a better wife and mother in the home. Because I am making a choice. Not always. And when I don't, I am absolutely miserable. And when I don't, my countenance brings on that same demeanor in our home. Not thinking about self. God wants us to think and to believe that He can change us from the inside out. God gave us feelings and emotions, but He wants them to be controlled. And He's shown us how He can do it, but we must take, make the choice and take the step of faith that He can do it and will do it. About seven months ago, six months ago, I discovered that I had a, a mass in my lower abdomen. And I didn't think anything of it for a little bit. And then the Lord, you know, I, I felt it again. And I, I told my husband about it one day. We were on a walk. We were walking down the road, one of those 
uh, enjoying husband and wife walks and we were outside in the sunshine and the fresh air. It was cold outside. And I said, honey, you know, I've discovered I've got this mass in my lower abdomen. And I said, I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, maybe it's just like a fibroid tumor or something. But I think you need to be aware of that. And then we talked a little bit. He says, well, what do you think it is, honey? We talked back and forth for a few minutes. And then I said, well, I don't know what it is. And I said, you know, it may be cancer. I don't know. But I do know this, that whatever it is, God can give me the grace to endure whatever it is. And I said, right now as we're walking, he could just say, be gone, and it's gone. But if it's not, then that's all right too. So we went through the process We had it evaluated, and we had tests done. And those tests and that information was evaluated by a couple of doctors locally, and then it was sent off to Southern California for some specialists to review. And I got a phone call just about five or ten minutes after some guests arrived for the weekend. And on the phone was the, the specialist from California. And he said, Mrs. Waters? And I said, yes. He said, the results of these tests cause me great concern. I said, they do. And he said, yes. And he went on to tell me that there was a high probability of ovarian malignancy. He says, now, I don't want to worry. And, of course, we really won't know, but we really want you to have this thing taken care of right away. And the Lord called to my heart. And he said, he could take care of me all through that situation. And I trusted in Him. I could have let those feelings and those emotions all come. But I knew right then that God was asking me to take hold of His hand. That He would give me the grace to to go through that experience. Just as He had the day I had the, the first ultrasound done in the hospital. Thinking it was just a little fibroid tumor. Laying on the ultrasound table and the tech leaves. And I'm laying there thinking, oh, this is really great. I'll be done in a few minutes, get out, and, you know, we'll finish our errands and go back home. And that's the way I was thinking because of the, the doctors I had talked to were fairly confident at that point that it was just something very minor, wouldn't need to be addressed at all. And when I was laying on that table, the Lord called to my heart and He said, you need to focus your thoughts on me right now. And within two minutes, the radiologist came into the room. Now, you don't see radiologists when you have ultrasounds done. You get their bill, and they give you, the, their, your doctor, their evaluation. He came in and talked to me. When I saw him in the door, I knew that there was more wrong than just a fibroid tumor. But the Lord had called to my heart for my thoughts to be on him. And all the way through that experience, for my thoughts to be on him. And when I was home, and I was tempted with those emotions, the Lord said, one thing you need to do And that's the work I've given you to do faithfully today. Take me with you through the entire day. Put your focus on me. Don't allow those thoughts to create feelings and emotions that will make it so that you cannot be a mother and a wife in your home, so that you cannot function. And God did give me the grace. And I praise Him that it wasn't malignancy. And all, everybody was surprised. They were sure it was. When I, when I saw the specialist, he said... This is what you need to expect. And when I was laying in that, on that cart right before the surgery, the nurse came in and she says, aren't you nervous? And I said, no. I said, I trust in the Lord and I know His will will be done. And so it matters not how I wake up, but that Christ is first and always in my life. 
And he gave me the peace through the entire situation. And there's so much more that I cannot even share with you. But God wants us to take hold of his power, regardless of our situations, in the littlest things or in the biggest things. But friends, if we let him go in the little things and let our thoughts take control and our emotions rule us and our feelings take over, when we get to the big issues in life, we won't know how to trust in God. And God wants us to have the victory. He wants us to take hold of Him and have our thoughts and our minds renewed by His Spirit in the inner person. Through our conscience, through His Spirit, calling to our hearts, He wants to bring us fully and completely to be restored in Him. In closing, I'd like to share this paragraph from you and mind, character, and personality because I know how the Spirit has worked in my heart and in my thoughts and I know that many of you have had thoughts in this message how the Spirit is bringing the thoughts maybe you've held or the emotions and feelings you've held in the past that have not been right and how He wants to work with us individually in those things. Is conscience changing your life? That means, is the Spirit, are we allowing the Spirit of God to work in our inner life through our conscience, through our thoughts? You may have a conscience, and that conscience may bring conviction to you. But the question is, is that conviction a working agent? Is that conviction working in our lives to change us? Does that conviction reach into our hearts and the doings of our inner man, of the inner person? Does it purify our soul temple from its defilement? That is what we want, isn't it? Isn't that what we want? The Spirit of God to work on our inner hearts to change to change us from within? Because now it is the time such as it was in the days of the children of Israel. And if there are any sins upon you, do not stop until they are corrected and put away. All those feelings, all those emotions, all those aspects of self that are unchristlike, that are stimulated from the choices we consciously make to think the way we want to think, must be changed. And God can give us that victory. We must make the choice and cooperate with Him. And He brings the thoughts to our mind. He changes the direction. He changes the feeling. He subdues those waves of irritation and frustration and depression and anxiety. He sets those things aside. And if we feel those anxieties and those waves of frustration, if the inner person is not at rest... We can say we're at peace with our mouths, but the inner heart knows differently, doesn't it? And God wants to change us from the inside out. That was David's prayer in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, he says, and renew your spirit within me. Don't cast me out. I know I've done wrong. Don't forsake me, but change me from the inside out. That's what I want, friends. That's what I want for each of you. And as we're willing to allow God to change our hearts from the inside, that inner person, He will make our lives so much happier, regardless of what He brings us through, regardless of the trials and the tests that are there to show us the motives of our hearts. I know each one of us here has felt the conviction of your spirit, whether young or old, that too often in our lives we have wrong thoughts and we cherish those 
and they create feelings and emotions that bring about a character that is unlike you. Lord, we want to be like you. Help us to realize that our thoughts must be changed and that you can do that in us if we will make the choice to surrender all of self. Give us that victory in our lives, Lord, and whatever it is that we are holding out, whatever cherished thought or feeling or emotion that we have that is unlike your character, Lord, bring it to our hearts. Don't give us rest until you have cleansed us from within is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.